My heart was broken and I was confused. I didn't know what to do or where to turn for help. Thank God for the hope of Jesus. Thank you for those of you who are watching right now or will be watching this video later on. Uh, my name is Arlenis and I do this series of live videos where um, I am trying to bring different believers to uh, shared a little bit about their walk of faith and the reason why I'm doing this um, series which is called ordinary people with extraordinary lives for those who probably are like questioning about you know their own spiritual life and their walk with the Lord and they're not really sure of like where I am whether I'm saved or not and just like we care about our physical bodies we have to care care also about our spiritual life right who is our savior who is your savior if the question is if i was to die tomorrow where would i go one of the main things that you're going to be hearing uh, throughout this year is just how uh, the lord transformed the lives of these people um, just through the power of the gospel how when they were introduced the gospel to the gospel they probably didn't know anything about the Lord or they heard about God and why not or probably just practice um, religion, certain religions, but they didn't have a true relationship with the Lord because they didn't know him. They didn't know him. They didn't know him, the God of the Bible. And um, that's what I'm just hoping that you guys will be encouraged and that you uh, those questions will be answered for you. How is it that... Um, holy God uh, will be willing to save any of us. And one of the verses that I mentioned to you guys that we're going to be focusing throughout this series is from Romans 5, uh, 6 to 8. And I'm going to uh, read it again so that we can uh, refresh our minds. Uh, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that is our hope. The way that we have that peace with God, the only way that we can one day enjoy our eternity with our Lord and our Savior is because of the death of our Savior Jesus Christ at the cross and today I'm really excited just for you guys to hear from my dear friend Erica Cyber. we'll have Erica join us so she can share a little bit of her testimony with us hi Erica hi Denise <laughs> well thank you for agreeing to do this I, we were talking before uh, the live video and I was just thanking you for you know for being open and taking this time to just uh, share your testimony with all of us a little bit of your story and you came to um, to be introduced to the gospel what was your life before Christ and how the Lord changed your life through the power of his word um, so I will I would like to ask you just to kind of like introduce yourself and give us a little background about you growing up in your family yeah well hi everybody thanks <laughs> for joining in and thanks Harley for having me um, my background is I was born and raised locally out in the San Fernando Valley 
and my family is Catholic. So mm -hmm. I was brought up nominally Catholic. We would attend um, mass every other Sunday or um, on special occasions, but I didn't know about having a personal relationship with Christ. And I really didn't care too much for religion. I knew God was real, but um, I, um, I live for myself, basically. I don't know if you want me to go into kind of my testimony. Yes, yes, yeah. that will be great. Yeah, please do. So in high school, I, all I really cared about was friends. And um, I was in a soccer team and for, for a year, the next year after that, I was kicked off the team for bad grades. I got um, just into trouble. I got suspended several times for stupid things like smoking cigarettes and drinking on campus. I had to switch high schools and then continue down the same path. All I wanted was to be popular, to have friends. And so I became friends with the bad kids and experimented with mind altering substances and boyfriends. There were several times that I remember that I could have died because of drunk driving or um, people driving high or being stranded in bad neighborhoods. One supposed friend took money from me and left me stranded in the middle of the San Fernando Valley. And I had no idea where I was. You know, I was like 14 <laughs> at wow. the time. Um, and I was just standing there on the sidewalk and a strange man pulled up in his car and sexually harassed me. And I was so scared, I just ran to the nearest building, which was a Christian church. Wow. And they were having a youth group. So I, I, I ran in there and um, explained to them what happened and they asked me to stay for youth group. I remember we sang nice songs and at the end they gave me a ride home and I was just thinking, wow, God's taking care of me. But I still continued to have a hard heart and um, continue to follow after popularity, pleasure, and peace in all the wrong places. Around the same time, my family took a trip to Mexico to visit my grandparents who lived there. And my grandmother, her name was Luz, which in Spanish, you know, means light. <laughs> and um, she gave me a book, even though it was a Catholic book, it was about spending 15 minutes with Jesus. And up until the po that point, I had learned just to say these prayers that you recite, kind of like you're reciting a line from a play, but without really thinking about what you're saying. At this time, I started just to have these conversations with, with Jesus through this book. But um, despite praying to Jesus, I continued to live a life for the gods of my own making for myself. Even my prayers to Jesus were self-centered and selfish. Um, after getting in trouble in high school and barely graduating, I went to Pierce College and tried to clean up my act. But the old me was still alive and well. It was just um, in a new way. I, um, I started college and excelled in studies, but I sought meaning to life in relationships. Soon I became intimately involved in a relationship with a college boyfriend. My second year at college, I got pregnant out of wedlock and the baby's dad was dropping out and moving to a different country. So my heart was broken. I was confused. I didn't know what to do or where to turn for help. Thank God for the hope of Jesus and, and that message that was shared with me at a Christian pregnancy center. 
There they planted the seeds of the gospel. So that's the testimony that I want to share with you guys. It's just how God mercifully spared me from spending an eternity in hell for the sins that, that I opposed God. And just how he brought me from death to life in faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. So being pregnant, I was bewildered. Um, I was initially not thinking at all about abortion. And um, my boyfriend had helped me st at, at the time study for a speech that I did in college against abortion. So he knew where I stood on that. And I was, you know, Catholic. He was supposedly Christian, um, but wanted me to, to have an abortion. So I, I was in despair and I Googled pregnancy center, pregnancy tests. Um, and found a Christian, that Christian pregnancy center that way. But after having gone to the pregnancy center, the baby's biological father and I considered abortion. He talked me into going to a clinic where they made it seem like it was just like an ordinary procedure, like having a tooth removed. But by God's grace, I couldn't forget the words at the pregnancy center about how this was life and it was um, precious but also that they would be there for me if everybody else abandoned me. So I knew I wasn't alone and the pregnancy center offered shelter. If I got kicked out, they offered everything I needed from diapers to a crib to baby clothes. But most importantly, they offered the hope of the gospel. As I continued um, with school at CSUN, I kept meeting with a counselor there and along with a neighbor who helped me apply for scholarships and get um, financial aid and help. Um, I started um, school there and I remember how they continued to counsel me just on parenting and my counselor has a, um, a memory of taking me out to Chili's. I remember going there with her but I don't remember the gospel. She said she shared it then. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she also invited me to Grace on campus at CSUN but I, I couldn't find the room number and I really didn't make a big effort to go. My heart was still, you know, being stubborn. <laughs> like but, we all do, right? <laughs> We're all very stubborn. Yes, but God is so kind to continue to pursue us. And um, even though I didn't grasp the implications of the gospel right then and there, he kept working on my heart. My counselor kept meeting with me and um, invited me um, to the park and it would just, you know, have talks with me. It's funny because I named my son Noah, Noah Evan, and it was because my sister Roxana uh, and I were at Target and we found a Noah's Ark baby album. And she said, oh, Noah would be a cute name if you have a boy. And I said, okay, sure. But I really wanted to have a girl and I had all these girl names. <laughs> but um but that was the name that stuck in Evan because it means God is good. Mm -hmm. Um about a year after Noah was born, his his biological father moved back in to the states from Canada and then to to San Diego. Uh I was praying that we'd be a family. We got back together and I transferred to San Diego State. I was thinking that we would um, 
you know, possibly get married, but he wasn't thinking along those lines or even wanting to be mutually exclusive. He wanted to be with other women. And once again, my heart was broken. Um, I was now alone though. I was in a town where I knew nobody and the situation grew worse. There was abuse involved and police authorities jumped in. I was alone on my own in San Diego with my little son, but God used all of this to humble me and to draw me closer to Christ. At first, I resorted to find comfort in friends and relationships, and it became part of the college party scene. However, my conscience bothered me. Um, God was, was working on, on my conscience, and I was thinking, I'm a mom now. I'm supposed to be responsible. And um, there was this big burden of sin. A Christian friend that was in all of my classes, Sarah, she invited me to her church. And I would get emotional and cry, but my life wouldn't change. I was a slave to sin. I couldn't, I knew I wanted to turn my life around, but I couldn't. I was left hungry for something more filling. I pulled a Bible that I had on my bookshelf and started reading the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9, 10. At this time, my cousin, Yessie and her husband, Kevin, who lived near me in San Diego, called to see how I was doing. I told my cousin I had been reading the Bible, and she invited me to a Christian concert and told me of the band, that the band P.O.D. was going to be there. I had heard P.O.D. and liked the music, and so I was excited and said yes. God had graciously softened my heart at that time, and in the middle of the concert, an evangelist gave a message from the Bible that changed my life. I don't remember where he preached from or all the words that he said that night, but one thing stood out to me and that was the peace that he had. And this man had genuine peace even after his son had just passed away within weeks. He said he knew his son was in heaven and it wasn't because he was a good person, he did X, Y, Z, but because of his faith in Christ. And um, it was the best news that I had ever heard. My sin could be forgiven. I could have peace with God despite my past and the burden that I carried. The call went out for anyone who believed the gospel message and could, wanted to come make a commitment to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit gave me the grace to want to go all in. And I earnestly said the sinner's prayer, asking for forgiveness for my sin, acknowledging my faith in Jesus alone um, and his finished work on the cross to take the penalty that I deserve and exchanged it for his life eternal. The word and the spirit convicted me of my need to die to myself, to my former life, to sin, and to surrender my life to Christ. And a verse that um, God really used at this time is Matthew sixteen fifteen: for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That 16th day of August, 2008, the Lord birthed me anew. The Holy Spirit gave me the power to run from sin and to live for him. After the Lord saved me, there is a sharp turn in my life. My desires changed. I didn't have the same ambitions. Instead of wanting to excel in school, I wanted to share the gospel with my classmates. 
I would go to the streets and, and share with the homeless. And my classes, I turned projects, you know, speeches into gospel presentations somehow I when I could. And the sins, even though I still struggled with sin, the sins that really had a foothold in my life were, were lifted almost miraculously. And um, God just, just really gave me the desires to want to want to please him, to want to be pure, to be um, a spiritual um, version, to stop drinking and partying instead of being drunk with wine to be drunk with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, sorry. <laughs> Instead of going to parties to numb my pain, I just wanted to um, to go to the party to tell my friends about what God had done in my life. I remember they threw a party for me on my 24th birthday and they tried to get me to get drunk, but it didn't work because mm -hmm. of, of God's power in me. And I had a new master now. Um, the awe of my salvation just gave me a passion to share the gospel with the lost wherever on campus or on the streets and i got involved with the local church they were doing a series on the ten commandments which was really eye-opening for me because i had never heard um, anybody teach that murder isn't just shooting somebody with a gun but if you have anger in your heart that you're murdering or mm -hmm. that to look at somebody with lust is adultery so mm -hmm. that that um that really helped helped me see just the sanctification and just what God really calls us to in His perfect um, holy standard that of course we can never live up to, but by His grace, He helps us um, move towards. And I just desire to follow Jesus to live according to the Bible. There was testings of my faith and trials that came, but God gave me the grace to pass through them. I remember one vivid nightmare that I had of being face to face with Satan and almost seemed real. Hmm. And um, him wanting to, Satan wanting to take me to hell and accusing me. And in my dream, I responded with quoting a verse that, that really gave me assurance that Satan had no claim anymore in my life. And that's from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I also realized how much I didn't know about the Bible. And I remember being at a church, like a, a brand new Christian. I had my, my New Testament, New Believers Bible that I got at this evangelistic event. And the pastor asked us to turn to somewhere in the Old Testament. And I'm flipping my pages looking for, I don't remember what book it was. But I couldn't find it. And a friend next to me is like, um, I think you're missing something. I realized I was missing part of it. I didn't have the whole oh. <laughs> So I just was struck by how much I needed to grow and learn more about scripture. And God used this to just really propel a passion for me to want to study his word. Um, I got an audio Bible and every chance, you know, in the car or whenever I was listening to it. Um, then I also realized that the more that I read the Bible, that the church that I was attending to, and the more I talked to other mature Christians, that the church I was attending was really seeker friendly because mm -hmm. they would make jokes about things that were really crude, you know, at, at these college groups meetings. So mm -hmm. I started looking for like a church and talking to other people. A friend of mine had a John MacArthur book 
and I read the back about the author and I realized that he was from Sun Valley, which is my hometown, San Fernando Valley. So the next time I went on a trip to visit family, I visited Grace Community and realized just how, how biblical the church was and wanted to attend. So I started driving out from San Diego to attend Grace at that time and took fundamentals of faith class. Um, I also finished my last year of college and decided to pursue a, a master's degree in biblical studies, which I just had I started. It took so much, so much study because I, I mean, I, I had to start from scratch basically and learn and learn so much. Mm -hmm. I remember staying up all night just to try to soak it in and falling asleep, like with my, my head on the, the keyboard on my laptop. But, <laughs> but that was um, what God used to, to help me to know him better. Um, eventually I moved back to the San Fernando Valley and got a job as a gym coach um, at a gymnastic center, and it allowed me to bring Noah to work with me. I also began to learn what godly parenting was, and um, in comparison to the world's standards, uh, Noah was brought up in the church, and I was seeking to to bring him up according to to how God wants parents to bring up their children. And I realized that parenting really takes so much more, and should be done in marriage. So I, I struggled in the Christian life, particularly with the challenges of being a single mom and having to work mm -hmm. to provide. I did cut my hours to be home with Noah more to try to instruct him. And we sacrificed material things to teach him spiritual things and was praying for a godly husband. God provided that for a season and um he was a graduate of the master's seminary his name was josh he graduated and um we had just gotten married and we moved to arizona where we had nathan we were there for three years and um then after that we moved to oregon where he got a job as a senior pastor and one thing that i saw is just god's provision in that we weren't at the church in Oregon for more than a couple months before he was diagnosed with the rare genetic disease. Mm. And um, if we would have been at our old church, we would have had like not even medical coverage. And where God had brought us to, we had just um, everything that, that we would need for a trial that we didn't even know we were gonna have to face with medical and, and um, different benefits that the church provided. We did try to go through a bone marrow transplant to try to buy him more time, even though the disease that he had really was uncurable and, and fatal. Um, mm. But God answered many prayers through that, even, even though they weren't the way we wanted them. He showed us his hand all over that trial in the details, in the providence, and, and even in his timing. And um, I mean, there's so much that I could say um, of just all the, the ways that, that God worked during that time. I decided to write a book about it to, um, to just to give a testimony of God's grace and to hopefully encourage others who are going through trials. Sorry. Um, I picked the title On Loan for the Lord because it's one thing that God showed me was that life doesn't belong to us humans but is the Lord's. 
He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of it, God has taught me to depend on him in prayer, to go to his word, and to be held by his love, and to be encouraged by the fellowship of the church. After his passing, there was just so much love and support. Hundreds of people were praying for me and the boys. And there was a couple friends that even slept on my couch because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, people took the boys out um, to get their minds off of what happened to their daddy. When the boys asked hard questions, God brought the right men to help them. There was this one pastor in Portland that would take Noah out for ice cream and talk with him about the question he had of why would God let this happen? And we don't know why God um, allows things, but we know that he has good purposes and that he is good. And we're also comforted with the promise of heaven and the promise of life in Jesus. So now um, we're part of a, the local church, which is um, an encouragement to all of us. Um, we're part of a weekly Bible study and small groups. I serve in women's ministries and I'm finishing the studies that I had started at the mm -hmm. master's university. Um, I also started a blog to encourage others with God's word. I started it as like a chronicle of our journey, especially because we had so many friends from far away, um, both in California and even in Oregon, because we had to relocate four hours north of where our church was. Yeah. And um, then people just kept encouraging me to keep writing. And um, I had been writing on the Psalms, but I'm thinking of writing about different women in, in the Bible to encourage women in particular. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and the name of the blog is thisthornyrose.com. Mm -hmm. I named it that because I knew that even though this is a, a thorny, you know, thing, a trial, that there would be a rose that, that God would produce of, of faith, of greater faith. And we know that God often uses hard things to grow us and to prune us more into his image. Um, the thorn is real and this life is hard in many ways. Sin is constantly a battle and that's why we have to immerse ourselves in scriptures, I know for me. Um, but um, God has used the past three years of me being a widow to show me the sufficiency of God's grace and how to pray more earnestly. He has been a personal father for me and my sons, and he's given us a heavenly mindset. My little son talks more about heaven than any other kid I know. And at a junior high camp, my oldest, Noah, made a profession of faith, saying that God used his dad's death to show his own need for eternal salvation and that he hadn't truly been living a life of faith. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So the question for all of the people listening is, do you know where you will go when you die? Because mm -hmm. we have to remember that this life isn't guaranteed no matter how old we are. We just don't know how much time we have left and we're not promised tomorrow. The most important thing that, that we should um, take into consideration is our spiritual, you're talking about our spiritual um, body, our spiritual 
life. And if we seek Christ and we go to his word, we'll find eternal life. So that's my encouragement to anybody watching out there. God has a plan for your life. If you would come to him with a broken and contrite heart, broken over your sin. Um, and God will be glorified, you know, with ordinary people like us. He, um, he uses us to live extraordinary lives because we have an extraordinary God. <laughs> yes. And um, we can be part of a part of this great redemptive plan that he has. Yes. And welcome us into his family. Right. And um, Erica, you just, you are such an encouragement to me. And I know that you've been an encouragement to so many other people, uh, women or, you know, just everyone who knows you um, just for um, the way that I've seen you uh, raise your, both of your boys. And I've seen the love that he had for other people. Like, um, like I, Richard and I, we were sharing last week about uh, the trial that we had been facing with his health. And your little boy, you guys came to drop off a card that he made for Richard and just, you know, wishing Richard to get better and that basically God is with him. And, and, and that just tells me that you are instructing your children, both of them, in the ways of the Lord. So that one day when they grow older, they even if they, you know, go astray, they will come back. You know, like you are teaching them the ways uh, that will help them while, you know, for whenever they grow up. Uh, you are instructing them in God's word. And, uh, and just seeing that, you know, it's just an encouragement to me that uh, Noah is like six years old now. Nathan, yes. Sorry, I I didn't say the name the name wrong. Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, um, yeah, six years old, and he's like, let me make this card for, for Richard, <laughs> you know. And it's like, uh, it just it was an encouragement for the two of us, seeing a little boy and both of them, you know, like Richard and and Richard just like loves it, that little boy because he understands what it's like to lose a parent and um but before i ask you a little bit about that experience uh, you mentioned before at the beginning of your testimony that uh, you were raised in a catholic uh, home um so when you were first introduced to the gospel um what do you feel you struggled the most to like let go or that you were holding on so much because you know it's like there so there is traditions and what you are taught you know uh in this religion in particularly um was there anything in particular that you're like no i don't agree with that and, and this is what i've learned and this is what they taught me and i can't just let go of this <laughs> did you feel your, like that no um I think it was leading up to when the Lord saved me. It was counting the cost, realizing that, okay, you know, in Catholicism, you can just say a prayer and, you know, you get forgiven or whatever. But this is, you know, the cost of following Jesus. It's like you, you're leaving everything behind. You're mm -hmm. starting a new life. 
And maybe that was the struggle for me to just to let go, you know, to have mm -hmm. to, you know, you don't just say a prayer and then continue to live however you want. Of course, like we come to him broken and we're all sinners, but just being willing to take up our cross and follow him. Yes. Uh, and those of you who are watching right now, if you want to submit your question, a question for Erica, feel free to. I can uh, either you can type it or you can just send it in private and I can just read it for her. Uh, so feel free to send your questions. Um, and another thing that you were uh, saying uh, before, and the, the reason why I'm going to ask you this, because I kind of relate to, to that area about the drinking part and partying you know and your friends doing this party for you so they could get you drunk <laughs> but um at that point obviously you were already saved and um you know the gospel you know the word and um i think especially you know growing as a catholic too um and it, i guess and, and, and even a lot of people from other religion i it seems like um uh, we can have uh, a double life a lot of times people think like it's okay to go and um dance and drink you know as long as you have it under control and you know you don't overdo it and and why not why from your side why did you make why did you feel that that was an important decision for you to make to be like no I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to go to party to this people, with this people, with my friends, that it's behind. Why? Why was that for you? Yeah, well, I think not not getting drunk, you know, not necessarily not ever drinking, but just not getting drunk to the point where I would lose control. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going out with uh, my sister and some of our friends just to see a comedy show or something and they had offered to buy me a drink and and or or something i i, I declined and i remember them just joking the whole time about god and laughing and i wondered if i would have been you know at a point where you know you kind of are like loose you you're not you're not as in control of yourself and you know what you laugh about or whatever and i thought about i could have like laughed at god and that really um convicted me and helped me to to just continue that to say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get to a point where I can't control my body and what I say and what I do because I don't want to dishonor the Lord. Yeah. And I think that also is an opportunity to show the world like that we're different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with like having, you know, a little bit of wine or anything just yeah, for me, I really didn't want to be in a situation where I would do something that I wouldn't in my, you know, in my right mind. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, once you you make such an important decision in your life, it's also kind of what kind of testimony are you going to be for other people? What kind of witness are you going to be to other people? Or maybe there is a person who might struggle with alcohol and maybe you don't want to be the stumbling block for them, right? To that they will fall even more into the temptation of to just like living, you know, just getting drunk all the time. Um, and it, yeah, I think it's also just uh, being an example to to other people of uh, the faith that we are professing, right? And uh, yeah, so and also um, 
being a single mom, so when you mentioned that when you met Josh, you already had Noah, um, and you said that you had the desire to get married, but this time you wanted to make sure that um, that you did it the right way, right? <laughs> so um, how is that for you um, as a single mom with a child? What kind of, uh, you know, do you have any doubts? Like, I don't know if I will ever have someone to get interested in me because I have a child. So it's me plus my son. So, um, and how were you able to, to work through that? So I remember meeting with Austin Duncan once mm -hmm. um, and we were having this conversation and I was like, I was there because I needed, like a friend of mine had told them that I needed help. I wasn't the one to go to him, but a friend. And so I sat there in his office and at that time, I think it, it, um, it might've been financial help, but anyhow, he's like, you just need to get married. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Or he said, I'm going to pray for you to get married. And I Aww. said, okay, but you know, that's, that's kind of hard because somebody has to take take on a child and that's going to be a burden. And he's like a burden. He's like, no, they'll get to have this child. <laughs> and, and so that was kind of, that was neat for him sharing that, that mm -hmm. it wasn't for me to look at it as a burden, but mm -hmm. as whoever that person is that will see the children as a, you know, the children are gifts of the Lord so that they would have that perspective. Mm -hmm. And, um, how was that relationship between Josh and and Noah when they when you guys first started dating uh, and to the point that you guys got married? Yeah, it was. Um, he was so ecstatic to to have a a dad. Basically, he didn't really see his biological dad very often. He had you know, he had gone in and out from Canada and. Um, he was praying for a little brother before we were married. I think we were engaged. It was like, oh. uh, <laughs> and um, he started calling him dad right away. Wow. So, so he was just really happy. I mean, after, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, after like actually living every day, you know, and, and seeing, okay, this, this guy is going to like tell me what to do. <laughs> there mm -hmm. were some, there were some struggles, but he was he was very grateful to to have a dad and and they had a lot of fun together he still considers him like a yeah dad. after josh uh passed away how did you comfort the boys and how were you able to still cu cultivate their relationship with the lord for the boys i found that what really comforted them is heaven there is a book by randy alcorn about heaven um, that's for kids that has these really nice illustrations and we would read those every night and then there's another chapter book that goes more into um, more of the details and pulls from from different scriptures but also just kind of asking us to use our imagination saying it's okay to mm -hmm. to wonder what heaven will be like to think about to think about it and also pointing them back to the gospel that if they follow Christ, that they will be reunited with him. Mm. And I think both those things really helped them. Mm -hmm. 
I will bring now uh, Richard's question. I don't know, probably you can see it too. So cliche question, but what scripture have you turned to the to the most during those trials? And even now when you feel drained or tired, two boys must be a handful. <laughs> yes. Um... I think about the verse in Isaiah, I can't remember the exact reference right now, but um, talking about how when when we will not faint when we grow weary, that um, it will, strength will come when we wait on the Lord. And just that depending on, on God, and it's a moment by moment, hour by hour, praying through everything. Like I it, sometimes I'm just like, I can't do this you know, God help me or give me wisdom. And, and maybe right away, um, I don't see that answer, but eventually it comes in one way or another. Yeah. And um, what were some of uh, some of the resources that helped you um, yeah. as a new believer that were like, that were helpful for you as a new believer? I think taking advantage of the church and all the things that they offer, being a part of the church, having friends um, come alongside of us, teaching me what it means to be a, a godly mother, to discipline, to um, point them to Christ. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of parenting books as well um, and attended parenting classes. I did the fundamentals of the faith. So trying to soak up as much as I could, um, you know, mm -hmm. from the Bible. Can you explain a little bit? Because I know a lot of people, for those who go to Grace Community Church, that might know, but for those that are not part of Grace Community Church, what is uh, that of, of the fundamentals of the faith? So it's a class that teaches um, the basics of the Christian faith. It goes through what is prayer, you know, what is salvation, the basic and you can find it um, probably even like on Amazon or on the Grace Bookstore. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. people use it at different churches, not just Grace, but mm -hmm. um, I'm sure wherever you go to church, they will have some kind of, you know, membership class or introduction or people that can help walk through with you what it means to live mm -hmm. a Christian life. Yeah. And now, yes, my next question, what are it? Uh, three things that bring you, uh, bring you joy. <laughs> so I have to go back to this, but because it's, it, especially when you're going through a trial as you and Richard could probably relate, um, mm -hmm. intimacy with God in prayer, the promises of his word and being reminded of them and, um, and even maybe praying that God would reveal those to us in a, or to me in a, in a tangible way. And also there's the fellowship of other Christians, the love and support. You're talking about the cards. We got so many cards. Um, when Josh was in the hospital, um, Noah turned, was it 11? He had a birthday and he got just overwhelming um, amount of cards in the mail. And after he went to heaven, we got so many cards, so many people just um, pouring out their love. And that reminder that we mm. are, we are a family and that um, encouragement of, you know, the, they'll send a, a verse or um, 
something that that helped them through a hard time. So lifting each other up in the church, I think, is is um is where we can find joy. Yeah. Even through things like this, when we can't meet in church, like. <laughs> Any books that that were helpful for you, whether as a new believer or even through those trials um, that you were facing? Yeah, I was thinking about this book. It's called A Steadfast Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick. And something that was neat was that I got this book when I was going through the trials of being a single mom. And mm -hmm. I had kept it because God really used it in my life and I gave it to somebody else when they were going through a trial and then kind of forgot about it, moved states and was faced with the, uh, you know, this big trial of, um, of the disease that, that Josh had. And I wanted to find this book. So I ordered it like on eBay or something and I got it and I opened it up and saw my name. It's the same book that I had given out to a friend that I got back in Oregon. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I want, I want to read the message. It's, um, it says, Erica, may your heart be resting in his sovereign design for your life. Keep a steadfast heart and love him with all your mind, soul, and strength. Wow. And, um, and this is a, a huge encouragement to me going through that, just seeing God's hand, even in the little details, like getting my book back. <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, having, you know, just joining me on this time. And uh, what will you say to those uh, who are watching today or will watch this video if they're not a believer? What would you like to say to them if they don't have that relationship with Christ or they're like, man, I don't know where I'm going to go if I just die today. Yeah, I would just encourage you to seek the Lord while there's time, while he may be found. And um, even though it, it's not an easy road, it is um, just the most fulfilling because, because Christ is, is so wonderful and so kind and loving and patient with us. And, and it, it's true. You will see it as you pray. Maybe just you pray and read the Bible and, and watch how God will work as um as you just surrender in faith to him yeah. just an encouragement yeah because how can we believe in someone that we don't know how can we even love someone that we don't know right so how can we say that we love god but have never probably taken our bible out and read it so the way to getting to know our savior is through his word where he speaks about himself and who he is and what he is he has done for you for me. Thank you so much, Erica. Uh, for those of you watching, I will be back on Saturday at 3 p.m. with Rhiannon Tellis, uh, my sweet friend. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, really excited to uh, hear her testimony and for uh, you guys to get to know her a little better too. And some of the trials that she has been, uh, she, she had to endure and still, you know, in, in, this, in this life. And uh, I know that everyone just if you were encouraged today, you will be encouraged uh, Saturday and you, you will be encouraged through every story. Uh, I always say that the, the stories might be different for everyone on how they came to uh, know Christ and to be presented uh, to the gospel. But the only thing that it's the same, it's God's grace and mercy in all of us.
that we need a savior. We are in need of that savior to rescue us and to have peace with God, to have a relationship, an everlasting relationship with our savior.